Good morning, everybody. Welcome. Uh, Please open your Bibles to Mark chapter 14, uh, verses 32 to 42. And we're in a preaching series in Gateway regarding prayer. Um, If my people pray. Please open your Bibles and keep it there because it's important for us to read the scripture together. I'm going to have it up there. but Now, this preaching series, If My People Pray, it's not your typical December preaching series, uh, but we really felt the Lord speaking to us in the church at Gateway about, uh, about prayer and actually to do this before the end of the year and to carry it into the new year and to do this together. If you don't know, Gateway is one church in two locations. And again, I've been so privileged to be a part of a big family. Uh, but however, before I read this scripture that I was talking about in Mark chapter 14, I want to share with you a dream that I had. Now, in my dream, it was really interesting. I just had this year. I was an astronaut. Oh, yeah, it was awesome. If you could take a pic up there, that's, yeah, that was me. I could tell. I was in my dream. And I've been given the clear, uh, f- to clear to go on a flight to the moon. It was so vivid. I remember get, being so incredibly excited about this opportunity. The thrill of lifting off this earth, um, for the idea that I would be out looking at the earth from, from a space view, and even this idea of being able to be on the moon. I remember just being in my dream, so excited. I, I can't believe that I've been given the opportunity and the privilege to be an astronaut. Now, just as we were launching, uh, unfortunately, I, I, as we are both doing this, I suddenly, I blacked out. And when I, when I woke up in, in my dream, this is funny, I found myself in the spaceship looking out the window to what looked like a place full of broken rocket ships. It was kind of like a rocket ship graveyard. And so I was kind of sitting there in my dream, kind of puzzled, and I, I turned to the other astronauts and I said, I, I didn't know the moon looked like this. Then one of the astronauts responded to me and he said, well, this isn't the moon. Um, yeah, we actually, we're back on earth. This, this is actually where we land. Uh, Norm, you, you fell asleep and you missed the entire journey. Well, when I heard this, sir, in my dream, I was gripped with this absolute, like, what? I, I missed, what are you talking, what? I, I was, I got, I can't, I was supposed to see the, the moon. I was supposed to be in the space to see the earth from a different point of view. I, I was absolutely beside myself and, and flustered. And I got actually upset. I was like, why didn't you guys wake me? Why didn't you bring, get me, get, get, get me up? And I couldn't, abs- I could not believe that I'd missed this opportunity. And then I woke up. And I woke up, and, I, and funny, I knew this was a, was a God dream. It was so vivid. Uh, I, I've never dreamed to be an astronaut before, and it's not a re- reoccurring theme, except for maybe Buzz Lightyear. I don't know if that counts, but... Um, something, and it wasn't something I could relate to my subconscious, and so what I did is I just wondered about this dream, and I prayed, Lord, open, open my heart. What are you trying to say? And I opened up the Bible, and... At that time, I was doing my devotions. I came into, uh, I was reading in Matthew 25. Now, if you don't know what Matthew 25, the very first, it's the parable of the ten virgins. And I'll just give you a quick paraphrase what that is. The parable is the kingdom of heaven being like. Like ten virgins who went to meet the bridegroom. And five were wise and five were foolish. Jesus is giving this illustration. He said, now the foolish didn't bring enough oil. 
and the bridegroom was delayed, and they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there's a cry, and here comes the bridegroom, so come out to meet him. Well, they all went to trim their lamps, and it was here that the foolish suddenly realized, and they turned to the wise and said, give us some of your oil in our lamps, because they're going to go out. But they answered, uh, sorry, there, there isn't enough for both of us to go, for both of us, you need to go get your own. And so while they went to go to get their oil, the bridegroom came and they were made ready and went into the marriage feast and the door was shut. And the, the other virgins come back and they say, Lord, Lord, open the door. And he, and he says, truly I say to you, I don't know you. Uh, watch therefore that you know, you know neither the day nor the hour. Now the point of that parable is that the disciples must watch correctly in order to properly prepare for the ready of, of the coming of Jesus when he turns. But the Lord actually was telling me, he was relinking up my dream to this parable, and he gave me a thought. The thought was this, what's interesting in the parable is that 50%, that's 5 out of 10 virgins missed out. That's scary. The idea that you could miss out on what God wants for you, or his desire for you. And I started to be gripped with this idea of, and that the kingdom of God is, has a truth to it. And the truth is this, I don't want to fall asleep or miss out on what the Lord has for me. Did you know God does not want you to miss out either? Did you know that the Lord actually wants to give you exceedingly abundantly more than you could ever imagine? God actually has plans for a hope and a future. And this morning's message is an invitation. Together, we're going to pray God's will into our battles. Can we say that together? Together, we pray God's will into our battles. This is an invitation to us. And I'll explain as we go into... You see, the, Jesus had told the church, wait till you receive power. And the early church was devoted to prayer. They understood that the mission that had been given to him was too big for them. And I believe we're going to use this as an example for everyone, for us to come in to pray in this season. And this is a response. So let's open up our Bibles to Mark chapter 14, verse 32 and 30, or to 42, and we're going to read. The verses are up on the screen, but you can follow along in your Bible. And they went to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup for me, yet not what I will, but what you, what you will. And he came and found them sleeping, and he said to Peter, Simon, are you, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter in temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again he came back and found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy, and they didn't know what to answer him. I honestly wouldn't know how to answer Jesus too. Like, are you guys sleeping again? Oh, you know, no, we're not, we're doing fine. And he came a third time and said to him, are you still asleep? 
and taking a rest. It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed in the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. In Mark 14, verse 32 to 42, this is, this is the thing that I suddenly was really gripped with. I was absolutely impacted that Jesus gives an invitation to his disciples to pray with him. This time in the garden, Jesus actually said to his disciples, come with me. And, it, and I, I was gripped because it's a deep level of intimacy and partnership in prayer. It's a call to intense prayer. It is absolutely uncomfortable. It is challenging in this garden. And Jesus extends an invitation to his disciples to partner with him in fulfilling the Father's mission. You see, this is what I I feel, that this invitation that God is giving to us prophetically. This morning, I actually feel like it's a prophetic word for us. See, often I have believed, and I know this, that when we call, God answers. How many of you believe that? Every time we call out, he answers. But here's the question that God is asking to you and I today. If I call you, will you answer? Think about that. In this wonderful thing we call prayer, I know you answer everything. And then God's going, but I, wanna, I want you to come and be an, a part of this. And be a part of a journey right now, a fulfilling Father's mission. And so I believe this as an incredible invitation for us in, at Gateway for 2019. I actually feel a prophetic, like God giving us an invitation. Together, we come and pray God's will into our battles. He's saying, I want to release something to you, an invitation to me to pray with me in this garden idea. It is powerful. It is very, very challenging though. But it's prophetic to you and I. You see, I believe this. He has blessed us in Christ in everything. I believe that God has given us all the spiritual blessings in heaven. And I believe he has chosen us. I believe he's paid the price. I believe that he has done everything so that we can enter into prayer. I believe he's done things so that we can actually receive all his promises. But then there comes this reality. Even though we're adopted, our sins are taken away. We can actually be like the disciples and fall asleep. We could actually miss out on this invitation to come and tarry with him. What does that mean? Come to tarry with him. See, this isn't a word that we use very often in 2018. A previous generation understood prayer like this. In fact, when I look at the Bible and I look actually through most of the heroes of the faith, they understood prayer as a different form. They used it called tarrying. What is tarrying? Well, tarrying is this. It means to linger in expectation. It means to wait, to abide or stay in a place. It's Jesus' invitation to his disciples in the garden when he says, remain here with me. A previous generation knew and understood prayer like that. It is absolutely foreign to us in this generation because we like things instant. We, I mean, how many of you like instant meals? How many of you like fast food? 
Okay, none of you are, come on, confession time. I only saw four hands. That is not proper. Come on, they put an addictive chemical. It makes you crave it fortnightly, doesn't it? Anyway, I won't go there. I, I love this instant stuff, but this is the thing. He's not, God does not want us to miss out. He's wanting to wake us up. He's not wanting the bridegroom coming and half the church saying, please give me some of your oil. Or like me, I personally fall asleep and I miss the ride of my life. I miss out on this journey of going to the moon because I, I, I missed something and I didn't heed or I fell asleep. See, this is why I'm so gripped by it. This series is called, If My People Who Are Called By My Name Now Will Seek My Face. Now focus on one word. Do you know there's one word that's very critical in that one verse? Do you know what it is? If. The very beginning. If my people will pray. I just feel God calling us to a new level and a new thing this year in 2019. And I feel that it's for, because God wants to bring us into his fulfilling his purpose and his mission. Just like Jesus sitting in the garden going, ah, the time is coming. The time is coming. And he's now going to go into a level of prayer that is whole different. And it is intense because he's saying, not my will, but your will be done. And we'll get into that. So how do we accept this invitation? Well, together, we pray God's will into our battles. How do we get into this invitation? Together, we pray God's will into our battles. What do I mean by that? Well, first, together, verse 32 and 33. Jesus does this, and he went to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter, James, and John. See, I love that. There's a thought that, that is right there in the scripture, and he took with him. We live in a, in a society that's so individualistic. We live in a society that wants to do everything alone and do it myself, and if it's about me, myself, and I. And this actually counters everything. This garden prayer is counter to our culture. Because suddenly it's saying, it's actually better together. To fulfill what we want, what God wants to do, we need to do it together. How many of you believe it's better together? Come on. Amen. See, because Jesus is saying this, but this is very unique because most, most of the time, or the, what Jesus had taught and modeled personal times of devotion as, as important. In other words, Jesus actually taught that we are actually to pray in our secret place. He often taught about prayer, but he said, do it individually. For example, in Matthew chapter 6, he said, When you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. He teaches again in Matthew 15. He says, If you remain in me, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Abiding in Jesus means you have to have personal devotional times. Jesus emphasized, taught, being with Lord alone. In fact, he even used this, Mary, uh, when Mary and Martha, the story of Mary and Martha, M Mary was at the feet of Jesus, and Martha was serving and doing all these things, and she kind of gets upset. She's like, this is not fair, I'm doing all the work, and this, this one's just sitting at your feet, Jesus, and she gets really grumpy. But what is Jesus' response? It's teaching. 
No, 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 Martha. He wasn't rebuking her for serving, but he says, Mary has chosen the better, and I'm not going to take it away from her. Being at the feet of Jesus, we could be serving Jesus and missing out on a relationship with him. And God doesn't want that. But he also demonstrated, Jesus demonstrated this getaway. He often did this when he prayed on the feeding of the 5,000. He prayed, he, the, the miracles happened, and then he sent the disciples off on a boat. If you want to know the passage, this is Matthew 14. And what happens is this, he sends them on the boat, and then he goes up a mountain and he prays by himself. Jesus modeled this all the time. In fact, I, the Mark chapter 1 is amazing because at the beginning of his ministry, what happens with this, Jesus modeling prayer and doing it individually. Peter, Peter's mom gets a fever, so he goes, prays for Peter's mom, and then Peter's mom gets healed. She does the best thing that could, once you get healed, go and serve other people. Anyway, we'll go there. Um, she gets healed, and then all of a sudden there's a prayer service, and everybody comes to the house. It says the whole town, John, came out to, pray, to get healed. And so Jesus is having healing service. And then, but it says this, early in the morning, Jesus got up and went and prayed. And he got direction from that prayer because the d- disciples came along and said, hey, let's do it again. Let's come on. It's a prayer service. He's like, no, no, no. I have another mission. He got his purpose out of personal prayer. But look at this. Jesus in the garden calls his disciples to engage with him. He was entering into a position of fulfilling his mission. And in order to do this, he believes it's better together. At the point where he knows God is going to, wants to fulfill, he says, I, w- I don't want to do this alone. Come on, let's get together. Come on, let's do this together. He gives them an invis- invitation, which I think he's giving to us, and recognizing the power in that. Let me see why. Well, why would I say he, it's better together? Well, Scripture says if two or more agree what's on earth, it will be done in heaven. If two or more of you agree, there is a synergy that happens. And when two or more are gathered under my name, what happens? He's in our presence. So God says, when you actually do this together, I'm going to release certain promises anyway, which are synergistic. Now, I love that because I believe, I, I get the idea of doing things better together. Now, I'll, I'll explain. Just this year, one of the things God was talking about was being a little bit more disciplined. I wanted to get into shape. So I thought, oh, I got to work out. Now, I started that prayer goal back in January. No, it was February. Well, I mean, how many of you know getting into exercise is very, very difficult? How many of you like exercise? Okay, we need to pray for you because I know there's a weird spirit on you right now. I just, I, I got to pray for, no, joking, I love you, Rick, I love you. No, no, I'm, I, for me, exercise, this is like, oh no, I, this is brutal. I do not like this. But what was interesting is this fall, a couple friends said, hey, Norm, would you like to get together and do some exercises? And it was weird, but suddenly I had an, an enabling power to say Yes. Suddenly, because I'm doing it together, I felt encouraged. And you know what? For about six weeks, I've been exercising. And this isn't, this is a miracle. Like, believe me, I believe in miracles. Getting this man to do a couple push-ups, that is a miracle. Chasing some other food, well, that's another story. Won't go there. But I'll understand this, the power of this, and explain it by this. 
two draft horses working with, uh, working to pulling together. Guess what? They cannot pull twice as much as one. Let me repeat that. Two draft horses cannot pull as much as one. Let me explain why. Because they actually can pull three times as much. A draft horse, they found out, pulls about 8,000 pounds by itself. Uh, You put two together, that would be 16. But when they put two of them together, they found out they were pulling 24,000 pounds. Because what happened is as you put the two horses together and they started to move, what they're looking at one, and a little natural competition started to kick in them. And they go, oh, you pulling? Oh, I'm pulling. You pulling? Okay, let's go money. And, and, and they were actually doing the work of another horse. It is better together. I believe that in the physical, natural, but that is also a spiritual promise. And that's what Jesus is saying. I want to invite you to do this together. Don't think individually. And I I have to admit, this is cutting across our culture. I'm going to ask a what if question. What, What if the disciples had kept up? What if they had engaged corporately? We don't know. We're speculating. But I had this idea. Hey, Peter, are you drifting? No, no, I'm I'm awake, I'm awake. Come on, man. Hey, Philip, you're starting to fall asleep. Here, grab your, grab your lyre. That's an ancient guitar for all you, you know, anyway, no old younger people. Anyway, come on, play some songs. How many of you know that when you play and worship and suddenly you are awakened? Did you know that suddenly, I, I don't know, speculation, but if they had prayed together, would they have kept awake? I think so, or possibly, I don't know. I don't want to speculate. It is a speculation. Now let me throw a question. Are you struggling this morning in fulfilling what you feel God has called you to do? This morning I believe there's a prophetic word that God is saying, I want to call you together to pray in God's will that we would get through our battles. And I believe that it's totally better together. Maybe God's calling you to say, you need to push away your individualism. You need to push and let that die. This is not the time you need to, in incorporating being a part of community. If you're a part of Gateway Christian Community and you're wondering, how do I even get it? How do I get together then? How do I get me apart? Well, there's lots of ways. They have a Gateway Foundations class you can start to get to know just even doing that. There's other ways. You can be a part of a house group. I love being in a cell group because you know what? I can come on a Sunday morning. I could say hi to you, but I would never actually have any, how are you doing? But in my cell group, how are you doing? Hey, I'd like to pray because God's been doing this. A cell group or a house group, small group is the best way to get together. And if you're not one, simple, ask. Whoa, I'll give you another crazy thought. A prayer summit. A prayer summit. A prayer summit. Imagine the entire church, all of us gathering together and saying, we are going to ask for $170,000 and we will believe that God, you will do this crazy miracle. Crazy. Did you know this? It was fun. This last Thursday in the South, we were praying for you because we're family. We were suddenly praying for the most incredible explosion into our family. It's beautiful. Well, the next thing, how do we accept this invitation together, praying God's will into our battles? Well, it starts by seeing the value of doing it together. But the second one is this, we pray God's will. Verse 
b in 36, and he began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and he prayed that. If it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible, possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Just think of that phrase right there. Not what I will, but what you will becomes this prayer. See, this is a challenging prayer because it's engaging with God, asking what is your desires, not ours. And when you ask God, what are your desires? It actually can become very laborious. It can actually be hard. When I say, God, not what I want, but what you want, it becomes a credible challenge. Because it's very easy to pray to God like he, as if he's a Santa Claus and just say, here, here's my list. Check, 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 check. Can you do that? Versus a dialogue in relationship. It's so much difficult to actually want to spend in a time like, what do you want? Because now I got to listen and hear and obey. And this is what God is calling us into a partnership for his will to be done on earth. And this is really challenging. Let me explain why. I'm going to give you a little bit of theology behind this and explain to you. See, the will of God is explained in two ways. His fixed and ordained will and the will of God that is expressed in his desire. Two ways. Two ways that God has a will. And he fixed, this is an example like this. The fixed will, the first one that's willed and ordained would be like this. It's going to happen. It is meant to happen. It is from the very beginning of time, like Jesus going to the cross. His fixed and ordained will, nothing was going to change that. But now there's another will, which I'm talking about is God's desire. This second will is not fixed because God interacts with us and has given us a freedom of choice. And this is where the wake-up needs to be heard. See, he's God and he can do whatever he wants, but still, he's asking for you to respond and to choose. For example, I'm going to give you an example to explain this idea. Do you believe that it's God's desire that none should perish? Yes. Do people perish? Yes. You see, it's not God's desire that people perish, but since sin in, is in the world and since man has the freedom to choose, many perish. There's an interaction with the will of God. And God's saying, I desire this, but sometimes people don't necessarily receive and take that desire and what they do with it. I know it's not God's desire for people to perish. Why else would he send Jesus to save us? His desire is that people come to repentance. But desire means it could take an entire lifetime before that person repents. A desire could say, Ron, I want your mom to come to know me, but for how many years? 87 years? 87 years of tarrying, believing for God's will to be accomplished. It's his desire, but it takes a lifetime to do it. Are you willing to pray like that? Well, that's what Jesus is engaging. He says, come with me. Come in with me to believe God's will, and but his desires. It's way more challenging. 
You see, I believe God has given us provision to be rid of sin and power to be transformed in the image of God our entire life, but we partner with that. And this is the theology of prayer. Not my will, but your will is I am partnering to see your will done on earth. God, your work and our partnership. See, God has given many promises. He's maybe even given you specific promises. He has given things where he actually has this incredible potential in you. And yet we have to engage and say, Lord, yes and amen. Can Lord, I partner with the desire that you have for me? I think it like this. Did you know it's an incredible story, but the children of Israel, they received the promise to go to Egypt, or from out of Egypt to a promised land, right? And God's will was for them to get to the promised land. And you know what he did? He sat, he, he did incredible signs and wonders. He parts a Red Sea. He does incredible things to deliver them from the hands of Pharaoh, brings them to the mountain to show them God's word. And then the interesting thing is he takes them through a desert. Now, in the desert, what was interesting in this little story was it could have taken them about four weeks to get to the promised land. But this journey ends up becoming 40 years. And the reason, I think, is this, because although he got them out of Egypt, Egypt was still in them. And we know this because they stepped, they kept looking back saying, it's better to go back to Egypt. And or they were carrying the foreign gods that they had. Keep wanting to worship other things. And that's not how we get into God's promises. Actually, that can hold us from God's promises. And because we know the story, which is interesting, is two guys out of 40 years, only two of that generation made it in. Only two. Why? Well, there's a partnership of saying, Lord, we believe and we have faith. Like Joshua and Caleb. I see giants, but I've seen you move and you move the mountains. And I believe you can do it again. And it falls in this last thought, which is very important because when you pray like that, when you're going to pray, God, I'm going to, I'm going to pray your will to be done and I'm going to engage like this. The only way you can do this is notice how Jesus engages with this thought, and and Val kind of tagged on it last week. Jesus says, Abba, Father, all things are possible to you. Val did an excellent job of sharing last week, starting on the place of prayer, praying to our Father. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. And Jesus taught us to ask and receive. And this is the same prayer in the garden. Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. But this is a deep level, isn't it? I want to do your will, Papa. And this, Jesus, he's praying. He knows that God will answer his prayer. But think about it. Jesus, what fueled this sacrifice in the garden? What was helping him through this? It was Father's love. Even when he was in such sorrow and distress to the point of drops of blood, he knew he was loved and the Father's love was to give to us. See, I think when you engage like this, what's going to help you when you feel like, man, this is going to be a challenge? The only way you can pray like this is when you are absolutely understanding Father's love. When you are gripped with an understanding of his love, it's not hard to suddenly say, wait a minute, you want me to pray and it's going to pray, not my will, but your will be done. You're, You're understanding that God's love is the fuel behind this. I'll give you an example. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 8 and 10, 
This is Paul writing, and he says this, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. For his sake, I suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. But look at this, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him. Being like Jesus, praying with him, even if it's, it's in a garden. I, Paul's language is interesting. I suffer the loss of all things that I may share with his sufferings. This is a, this is a garden invitation. And why is Paul okay with the sacrifice? I want to know Jesus. I want to know Christ. The idea of knowing is not just information, it's intimacy. Sacrifice is hard, but when you know God's love, it's so easy. It's so different when this love is connecting with you. In fact, the word you know, rubbish is word skyballon, which means, well, it's kind of made a French sound there. Sorry, Bala. It's not sky. It's a, anyway, you'll get it. What that word means in the Greek is this. It means the word rubbish, skyballon, which is that which is thrown to the dogs or refuge, refuse or dung. I consider everything else dung compared to knowing you, Jesus. And I want to know your power and the fellowship with that in this, so that the resurrection, so even when I'm going through suffering like you did, I am okay because I got you. You can say, not my will, but your will be done. And you will get joy out of that because suddenly it's not about praying, it's about him. It's about getting together to pray in God's will so that we can get through our battles because it's about meeting with Jesus. Do you know why I go to a prayer summit? To give a bunch of requests? To ask the Lord to list, give me my list of things that we need? Or that I'm struck by the fact that when two or more are gathered, we are meeting with Jesus and I am praying, not my will, but your will be done. Love changes absolutely everything. And love fuels it. I'll give an example. There's a lady, her name is Joni Eckerson Tata, and she shares a story that helps illustrate this. See, Joni had a terrible accident that left her as a quadriplegic. And in spite of her physical limitations, she became an accomplished author and artist and got married to her husband, Ken. Now, for her wedding, she had planned to come down the center aisle in her motorized wheelchair. Just before her grand entrance, she noticed two distressing problems, though. First, she had rolled over the beautiful gown and made a big, greasy spot and teared it. Then the flowers in her lap had slipped and lodged between her leg and the chair, and she was so filled with disappointment. And then suddenly, the doors of the auditorium opened, and there she saw her husband-to-be. There was this man who was committing his life, his love to her, and, to his, and his life to her. And Joni says something interesting right there. Joni said, once I saw Ken's face, all I could think of was him. Everything else, the people in the church, the flowers that were sitting a little askew on my lap, the fact that my dress didn't fall right because I was sitting in a wheelchair, the grease marks, the rip in my gown, all passed away in comparison. Because now it was about the one I love. This is what it means to partner. 
an invitation saying, I want to come and get you to come and pray with me together. Because together, if we pray, God's will be done. We will see through our battles. I want you to understand that because did you know the devil does not want, just like what's happening in the garden, why Jesus said, pray that you don't fall into temptation. You don't have to, you guys can, so we're going to close with this, but you guys can shut this down. Why was he praying that? Because he knew the devil did not want them to come into the fullness of, their, of Jesus in his fullness. And Jesus actually wanted the disciples to stay awake. He wanted them to, to partner with him. But he knew the enemy would rob, steal, kill, and destroy of that opportunity for them to actually be with Jesus in this time of prayer. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up because this is the prophetic call to us. God wants to release things in 2019. He wants to actually get us into a place of belief that there is a place, I have a mission for you, I have your purposes and plans. But there's a partnership of praying differently. It's praying together. It's praying in a way that you know that we need to corporately say, God, not our will, but your will be done. And what it does is it synergizes us to his purposes for the mission that we have. Jesus is actually giving us an invitation. In fact, I have a, I have a real prayer request I would love to see it every nation, every generation. I would love to see that we as, it's not just left for a certain, for the intercessors. It's not just left for, for uh, the older people. It's actually young people. It's actually young adults that said, I actually believe this. I believe that God is calling me to be a part and in, the, in doing this in synergy, asking your will to be done. And I'll show you why. Because God has done some crazy things. Um, if you can just start doing that, lead that song really slowly in the background and I'm explain and close with this thought. Um, I've been praying for my sister. We, if, if you guys don't know, uh, a couple years ago, my sister was diagnosed with cancer and so she went through some tre- treatment. And, and in February of uh, this 2018, she actually, it got diagnosed as f- stage four cancer. Boom. And so she phoned me in February. Um, and what happened was this is she prayed, she came and I felt, as she, I was in Starbucks, I totally remember this, the Lord was speaking to me and, or she phoned and sorry, and, and she just telling and she was in tears. And, and then I felt the Lord speak and he said, Norm, I want you to pray for her. I want you to invite her to get saved. I said, and so I had these words. It was like the Lord just gave it to me and said, you know what, Bonnie, you've been, you've been helping others. You've been always reaching out to get, help other people, but now it's your turn. You need a savior. And my sister at this point, she, 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 she said, yes. Now this is why it blew me. I've been praying with my house group for the last three or four years. I've been praying actually for my sister for 30 years that she would become a Christian or she would accept the Lord as a savior. And you know what happened? Suddenly in February, as I was praying with other people, instantly there's a miracle. And then what happened is this, I am bowling, I, I led her in the prayer, she, become, she asked the Lord. I then went to a conference and I heard this song and this song was, as I, I believe 
you can move the mountains. I've seen you move. And it's the first time I ever heard this song. And I believe you can do it again. And when I was listening to this song, the Holy Spirit said, I saved your sister. Now I can heal her. I was like in tears. It was like a download. Really? This summer, as my sister got introduced to some chemo stuff for four months, guess what? She phoned me in June and she said, you won't believe this. I've just been declared free of cancer. So when I'm, I'm, I don't want to just sing a song. I want to believe it, that God, that you're actually calling us to wake us up. Wake us up. We don't want to sleep. We don't want to fall asleep and miss out because there is a potential that God has a desire and a will, but we fall asleep. And we miss out on his invitation to say, come pray new. Come pray anew with me. Come pray into the position and the, and the potential that I have given you. Pray into the potential that I have called you to be. Does that make sense?